again, we gather, as we have for uh, several years now, Tim and I. You know, I'm kind of done with the whole big introduction thing. I just want to say hi. I'm Howard. Tim's here. You know that. You know, I think most people now have figured out that they've downloaded this podcast. I'm Golf Spiritual Leader. You're Coach Tim. You know, what do people want from us? Just get right into it. I think we should get right into it. Uh, Of course... The show is brought to you by TaylorMade. Every year, Tim and I get to go and get fitted for TaylorMade stuff. It doesn't make us. It doesn't make us better than you. <laughs> Doesn't that sound dickish? We're not better than you. We're just lucky. That's all it is. It's not. That's it. Luckier. It's than just you. lucky. Now we're. You know what? Yeah, we just. No, we're we get grateful. Two Christmases a year. Yes, thank you. We're grateful. That's it. And we say namaste with us, TaylorMade. Please. <laughs> stay. You know, you, it's funny you said that because I was going to tell you. I've got my first uh, TaylorMade Christmas gift of the year. Yeah. got Taylor, Every year they, they start sending us stuff and it's like TaylorMade Christmas. I'll tell you what I got later in the show. Later in the show also, a very good friend of ours, also a TaylorMade ambassador, Sean, Ca- Sean Cassidy. Yes, Sean Cassidy is coming. <laughs> <laughs> our, our close personal friend of Sean Cassidy. I'll never forget that man as long as I live. Sean, whatever his what name is. What is wrong with me today? <laughs> you know why? I'm too excited about our first guest, Brooke Benny, because I can't wait to play the Brooke Benny song. But we'll get to that in a second. Sean Casey joins us in the uh, second half of this thing. How are you? You all right? You look good, man. Thank you. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Um, I'm talking about gratitude. I'm hearing golf courses are like opening. I, I have a client of mine who's playing this weekend in Queenston. I mean, people are playing golf already. It's wonderful. I don't know if and, I'm. Uh, are you ready? I'm not ready yet. Uh, I don't know I'm if ready, I'm emotionally ready for golf. <laughs> 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 I don't know if I am. Uh, I know that I've been physically trying to get ready, and uh, to that end, uh, you introduced me to somebody, and uh, now he's uh, just another you know great guru along the way. In fact, a couple weeks ago, when you told me his name, I got so excited, I started singing along. This is bar chord. Yeah, man. The only problem is now I know the guy, so I feel embarrassed, but I'm going to push through it. He is a uh, intense student of the body and the uh, fitness uh, trainer for the Guelph Griffins golf team and golf spiritual leader. Of course, I'm talking about the great Brooke Benny. Brooke Benny. Brooke Benny. Brooke Benny. All right, so that's enough of that. Did you like that? I love that's it. so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, welcome. Hey, Brooke, Benny, what's going on, brother? Just having a great Friday morning, enjoying the theme song. I I now request it to be played everywhere I go now. So That's your, like, walk-on music. That's what the kids yeah. call it. Yeah. <laughs> if I ever got to do that, that would be it. Um, Tim, why don't you introduce your friend and uh, mine, and uh, we'll get into uh, why you need Brooke Benny and people like him to make uh, golf a better sport for us. Well, um, so 
I am the coach of the Guelph Griffin golf team. And, Brooke, I forget exactly how you and I met, but it just seemed to make sense that we needed a, a trainer. We needed someone who was, um, who was curious, who had a lot of knowledge, a lot of skill already. And you were just so eager to learn more about golf that I think we just, it was just kind of like, hey, why don't you just come and give it a shot with the team? And it worked out gloriously. Our players love you. And it's just been a great thing. And me too. You've been training me for, I think we're on three years now. And my various affirmities, all cured. I'm not going to say a worker. You're just really good at what you do. <laughs> so how's that for an intro? I feel... Did I cover pretty, the key bases, Brooke? Yeah, I feel pretty blessed with that kind of intro. Thank you very much. There you go. So in the time that you've been involved in golf, Brooke, I mean, your background is massage therapy. And um, you're, I think Tim was just telling me before we started, you're working on your TPI certification. But what is it about golfers that you find interesting in terms of the physiological, you know, stuff that we go through? And and maybe you could also, on the end of that question, talk about why does golf produce such unique, you know, physiological maladies? Ah, the physiological aspect that really intrigues me is the complexity of it. It's not, there's a million ways to hit a golf ball and trying to figure out the sequencing of what's happening, how we can make people do what they do better. That's the never ending search is what gets me going. (laughs) And I'm sure everybody that plays golf, you never walk off the golf course going, oh, you know what? I like I every time I walk off, I'm like, I could have done three things better. And that's what gets me back. So same same rules apply. What have you learned about your your own game that's given you insight into how other golfers struggle, particularly with uh, using their bodies? Uh, I would say for me personally, it's been figuring out some underlying causes of why certain actions happen in the golf swing and more so based on an injury basis my i hurt my right knee when i was like 16 playing hockey and that uh that kind of prevented some rotation stuff in my swing and working on that and now figuring out okay that transfers from me can we get that to transfer to other people and see yes, this is your swing. Is there something on an underlying mechanism level that's causing you to bring it inside, come over the top, whatever it might be, and teasing that out and helping get rid of that and then allowing for a free swing is kind of my approach. Well, I think that that speaks to the why would it be really great idea to work with a trainer who has an insight into golf? Because so much of what golfers are trying to do, they may be physically incapable of doing. Just don't have strength or the flexibility. And you know, maybe they're working with a you know a, a swing coach, or they see things YouTube, Instagram. They're trying to do them, but they can't. So it just makes sense that you would would want to work with someone like that. Yeah. Absolutely. And the TPI, I took the first level 
And I think they do a fantastic job at like making that a message, like this TPI screen in the level one, whoever you're doing it with, if you're an amateur and your body only moves in a certain way and you're working with a swing coach, like that coach should be saying, okay, like this is what your body's capable of. This is how you're like, this is the best way for you to swing where if you're a tour pro, maybe you do want to make some big changes. And if you're an amateur and it's more like limitations based on injuries, that's where I fit in is now we know you can't rotate in the hip, but you have an SI joint problem or whatever and that we can fix that and that's going to alter your swing so well we've been working together brooke and i for about a month and i've been very diligent in my uh rehab and now we're starting to work on some stuff to get me ready for the season in terms of warming up let's talk about a couple of different phases so the off season is about to end timmy's saying that some people are golfing or getting ready to golf you know i feel and i was sort of being facetious when i say i'm not emotionally ready but i don't know that i'm ready to dive back in but so over the off season there's the phase of rehab and and sort of strengthening so coming up it's it's going to be april in a couple of weeks what do, can you give us a little sense of what a lot of the guys listening who may not be in the best shape like what are some of the minimums you'd like people to do and maybe also i know i keep asking you two part questions so the minimums you'd like people to do get to get ready and what are some of the things people should do while the season is underway to maintain okay bare minimums is as we age, our tissue becomes a little more brittle. So if you're creeping up in the numbers on the yearly mark. All right. Okay. If you're creeping, <laughs> if just go, if you're, what, whoever said, if you're creeping up the years, you know, let's just stop. Can we stop the interview? Can we, can we just stop? And re- this guy is also, let's just be honest with one another. One of the most wholesome, lovely people. He's so sweet. He doesn't want to say old. If you're creeping up the years, as you two we're are. We're nice and <laughs> us Guelph people are nice. Right. We're just, we're so nice no, here about in it. Guelph. You're, if you're, as, as you two can attest being 125 years old. So as golfers, why don't you just say it this way? As you old shits get, get older. Um, so as you age, go ahead, Brooke. Issue takes a little bit longer to adapt. Yes. So, depending on how often you golf, you very well should be starting something now. Whether it's literally just walking, um, a great exercise for your forearms is just turning, like put a screw in some wood and screw it in, screw it out, both forearms. Do it once a day and the idea is every day you're adding a little bit of volume. Most of the injuries that we get from at the beginning of the season are more that your body wasn't ready and you've done too much and then you overloaded tissue and damaged it. So walking figure eights is fantastic. Um, I, the cross body crawl is a great thing to do if walking is not going to be a thing. What's just, the crossbody crawl? I can't let you get go uh, any further. I was just going to uh, explain it right now. So basically, <laughs> picture, picture marching, 
So your knees are coming up to about like waist height, but you're reaching across and you're tapping the other. So if your left leg's coming up, you're using your right arm to touch your left knee. And what it does is it's a phenomenal thing. It gets your left and right hemispheres um, communicating better. So the research from neuroscientists has shown not only is it fantastic golf warm-up because you're getting your core involvement and that cross-body movement, it also helps with problem-solving and thinking. So it's kind of a win-win. And that fits right in with what you guys do here. There you go. Well, you know, what's interesting is that so many golfers will go, hey, yeah, yeah, I'll take care of my nutrition sometime. Uh, this mental game stuff. Uh, training is fine. I got to work on my backswing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, where, right. Whereas I think that the, uh, the, funny. the piece is becoming, the thing that's becoming more and more evident to me all the time is that it's getting the body warmed up whether it's for the golf season or for a round that really important. If you invest your time there, you're going to get way more dividends than if you're trying to find the, you know, absolutely perfect golf swing. Absolutely. I don't know. You'll find so it. What do you, so in terms of, uh, yeah, go uh, for it. You'll find it when, if you're warmed up and your body's going to figure out how to move. So if you're part of the warm up, there's three things that are, why you do it a you need to get the tissue flexible b it helps with your coordination and c well i'm gonna add a d so helps with coordination helps with your find your range of motion and then d you're exciting your nervous system which means you're telling your body hey we've been sitting on the couch we've only been using let's make this easy math 20 percent of our muscles we need to use a hundred you could waste nine holes getting up to a hundred. Yeah, know. for sure. So that's, and that's why, you know, Brooke and I were talking, uh, I guess I saw you in person. I saw you in person Monday, but we spoke yesterday and I said, you know, it's funny. Sometimes I'll go to the range and I'm always fascinated. Even with good, like good players, I'm, I'm fascinated by how quickly they get to full swings. I said to Brooke, I said, you know, I take about 10 minutes of stretching and various, you know, yoga stuff. But when I start hitting balls, man, I can't get to a full swing. And, and as, you know, the pile on the years, I don't know about you, Timmy, but I can't make a full swing for about 20 minutes. Like I make full-ish swings, but man, it takes me a while to get up to speed. And I think what Brooke was saying, it makes sense. You know, you, you've only been exciting 20% of your body and you're asking it to give it a 100% swing. And when you see guys go right for their driver, you know, I can tell you they're handicapped right away. So what Brooke is saying, I think is interesting too, that you can actually improve your motion if you give your body some time to catch up to where you want, you know, your head to be. Absolutely. Most of the people who listen to this show are what I would call intermediate and up golfers. So they, they have a sense, they, they have usually a pretty good golf motion. Is it perfect? No. But when they're out there on the golf course, they're instinctually, their body knows what to do. If you want to hit a certain kind of shot, your body will be able to do it. But you have to be able to get your body warmed up and ready and be able to respond to the environment. So if you're still 
kind of bound up and not you haven't really released your system and i love that whole thing about exciting your nervous system it's like turning it fully on Mm -hmm. and in fact you're just you're you're getting in your own way again of allowing your body to do what it instinctually knows how to do after having millions hitting millions of golf shots I have a question for you, Brooke. I had a teacher tell me recently, a very good golf instructor say that you shouldn't do any strength training during the season. What do you think about that? Oh, I will definitely have to disagree. Um, yes. <laughs> there's you definitely, you need to maintain. So golf is very much a walking sport or you're riding in the cart. If you're competing at a high level, you need to do some bare minimums to keep up with whatever you gained off the off season. So if you're somebody that's hitting the gym four or five times a week during season, you might be, you should be training like twice a week. And if you're not, if it's like a one or two week day a week kind of thing, you for sure, like once or twice a week still during the season, you just modify how heavy you're lifting how much volume you're doing. So it could be a shorter workout, not as intense, but if you just walk and walk and walk, your body goes, Hey, we don't need all this extra stuff to carry around. Let's get rid of it. So I would highly disagree. Okay. And you can also kind of keep, if you've been working on some kind of stability issue, if you ignore it, your body is a little stubborn and it can definitely go back into whatever poor stability it had so sometimes things are a work in progress interesting when you're talking about this you know go to the gym four or five times a week and i was going like i don't know that any of our listeners do that <laughs> yeah let's not get carried away no but i like no, what but, you said no, but here's what no about, i wanted to finish. about maintaining during the uh, the actual season yeah. is important though yeah, but what I'm what I'm getting to is that uh, indeed there are people who go to the gym four or five times a week, and my my where I'm going with this is that so many golfers go over the top. They do too. You mm-hmm. know, is it possible to do too much, Brooke? To be lifting too many weights and 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 you get yourself kind of um, uh, I don't know going for mass instead of flexibility. Like it, I don't know. I, my tendency sometimes is to do too much of a couple of things. How do you strike yeah. that balance? Uh, it's kind of like the way I would base it off of is how you perform on the course. So if it's in season and you're trying to train and you're showing up at the course every day, you're sore, like you just feel the post-workout soreness and that's never going away. You're doing too much. If you're showing up to the course and you're feeling good, you're feeling loose and you're just striking it nice and pure then you found the sweet spot and the opposite of too little kind of it shows up more so as well as you might be a little stiff on the range yeah um, some days you get you're just lacking more like the power that you usually had and i'm sure like if you work with a lot of the college kids you see they may start the season at 160 pounds and if they're not eating properly, they're finishing the season at like a buck thirty-five, and the physics of how far you're going to hit the ball change a little bit. There. Yeah, Tim and I are laughing because we haven't been 160 pounds since grade nine. Um, <laughs> Brooke Benny, uh, 
How would you uh, want people to get a hold of you? What would you, uh, if they were looking to, I mean, I know you're busy, but maybe there's an old guy listening that's like, I could look, I want to work with Brooke Benny. How would somebody do that? Um, I work at the Actor Relief Center in Hamilton and Guelph. You can look us up on the internet, Actor Relief Center. Um, if you are an Instagram person, Brooke Benny is B-R-O-K-B-E-N-N-I-E on Instagram. Get me through there. All right. Um, I've slowly been working on a YouTube library, so you can YouTube me. <laughs> well, I tell you, I don't know about you, Timmy, but Brooke's been sending me videos of him doing the uh, warm up that he wants me to do. It's yeah. pretty good. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying he's going to be an Instagram star yet, but he's jumping around and it's good stuff. Uh, Brooke, thanks for uh, dropping in a little bit this morning. We appreciate it, man. No problem. Thank you guys for having me. It's All right. And, and I'll see you uh, soon. Yes. We'll talk soon. All, All right. right. Thanks, man. There's Cheers. Brooke Bye-bye. Benny. Thank Bye. you, Brooke Benny. Remember, this was that moment where it was going to get awkward and you were going to say goodbye. And uh, I'll just. Uh, there we go. Just... See? There yeah, we he's go. gone. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's been good. I, um, I've worked with him a couple times and he's given me a series of uh, exercises and, you know, because I've got some stuff with my shoulder and my elbow and my knee and my toe. You know. You are. You are creeping up there in the years <laughs> how'd you like that <laughs> oh, can you imagine oh. oh yeah you don't want to be 160 and go down to 135 i was thinking like um yeah there's some who do that but most of the university students i know it goes the other way yeah exactly the freshman 15 and yeah. you know what what are you having for dinner tonight uh craft dinner what'd you have last night uh craft dinner <laughs> Yeah, people talking about the COVID nineteen. That's what I gained. Yeah, there you go. No, that's a joke. You know, just just uh, uh, um, Brooke. Um, he's been huge for our golf team and and great for me too. Um, when I first met him, I'd been working with someone else on a left hip flexor issue that I had. Yeah, and um, it just caused even pain just going upstairs. I mean, like old people stuff. And as a round would go on, around the 14th, 15th hole, I'd start to get this pain that would just start to shoot down my left thigh. Anyways, that is Gonzo. Thank you, Brooke Benny. Um, the guy is amazing. I, I got a friend of mine who had, um, I think you call it frozen shoulder. Yeah, that's a he big saw, problem. He saw Brooke cured. Well, I tell you one thing about Brooke, though. He gives you stuff to do. And it's up to you to do it. Like, I, I'm doing this one thing. I'm doing like five or six different things every day, some three times a week. But there's some everyday things he's been giving me. And, and you know, it, it, I just sort of thought to myself, if I don't do this, what's the point? So I'm, exactly. I'm, I've sort of been doing them as much as I could. I just said to him the other day, I said, man, there's a lot of stuff I have to do. So what I want you to do for me going forward is what are the minimum activities before I start playing golf that you'd like me to do? Anyway, um, I wanted to, before uh, Casey joins us, Sean Cassidy joins us. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> distant cousin to David. That's right. Um, <laughs> later on, we're going to talk. I mean, at some point, we I know we're going to have Sean on, and then we've got uh, stuff to do after. But we should talk a little bit about the last couple of weeks of watching a guy who's forty-seven years old compete oh, against you know the longest guy the tour's ever seen that could hit it straight, and one of the best golfers 
you know, he's in the hall. He's going to the Hall of Fame. So two weeks in a row, a 47 year old beat Justin Tom or just came in one shot behind Justin Thomas and Bryson DeChambeau. And I wanted to get your thoughts on, you know, what did, what does that say to you? And I think what does it say to the average player that, you know, distance isn't really the be all and end all? I think that it certainly is not. I'm so glad you brought this up because I've been thinking a lot about it. I think it's so much about attitude and our place in the world. Uh, We've talked about gratitude already. I think that Lee Westwood is just in this wonderful place of, you know what, no matter what happens, I have a pretty good life. You know, look at this lovely woman who's my fiance and she's on my bag. I'm able to play this amazing game of golf. I'm having fun. He just rolls with it. He's got this sense of lightness and indifference. If it goes in, great. If it doesn't go in, I just think it's so much of an attitude. He's just, he's so grateful to be where he is mm-hmm. um, that that just informs everything that goes on it makes just it makes game and life easier that's that's my initial foray on that one yeah it's interesting that um i don't know a lot of the younger guys watching lee westwood lee westwood you know may not realize his pedigree although the last couple of weeks, the uh, golf announcers are just, it should be a drinking game every time they talk about, well, Lee Westwood's, you know, 47 years old and having a blah, blah, blah. And a blah. Oh, I, yeah. It's just. I thought, another, I thought another drinking game is every time Paul Azinger brings up, well, they may be doing fine on 12, but they're all thinking about 17. No, I know. And, and, and better. And every time, you know, for the Arnold Palmer, it was. You know, the legend of uh, Arnold. And then, of course, the next week, it's the better than most every time they talk about it. But um, <laughs> Lee Westwood was number one in the world for a short Absolutely. time. I mean, the guy, I mean, speaking, speaking of Azinger, though, like, honestly, when he calls him uh, a ball striking Jimmy, uh, he, uh, that's a thing that Paul, <laughs> that's a thing a person said out loud. Really? He yeah, he said, that? oh, that uh, goes at uh, Lee Westwood's a ball striking Jimmy. I'm like, does anyone want to ask Paul what the heck that means? Because I don't know. Never heard uh, the phrase in my life. Yeah. Um, from a technical point of view, uh, I think I told you last time we spoke that I'd been going back and forth with uh, another former guest of ours, Scott Fawcett, about the effect of distance. Mm-hmm. And the debate that I had with him is I said... I think, and I, and I think most people who might remember you and I, or sure they wouldn't remember, but you and I went to a Scott Fawcett seminar together. Yeah. And I'm a big fan of decade golf. Mm-hmm. And, and he was saying, well, distance is important at every level. And I said, well, I don't think it's as important at the amateur level. And he was like, well, no, it is because distance, any distance will get you closer to the hole. I said, no, I know. But you, I quoted him to him. I said, you said that at the amateur level or at any level that, you know, not three putting, no penalty strokes and not two chipping, you know, that's a way to lower your handicap. But anyway, we went went back and forth a little bit. and And I said to him, yeah, I get it that an amateur who's a 15 handicap could all of a sudden hit it you know, 240 instead of 220, that might make a difference. My point to him was most people don't do what you need to do to gain real distance. 
And as an amateur who has other things, who have other things in their lives, Timmy, it's not reasonable to expect somebody to go into an intense training program to increase their club head speed to like 105 from 90. But if they just practiced a little bit of putting and they didn't, you know, as I said to Scott, I said, if they just decade golfed their game, they'd lower their handicap without getting any longer. I agree with you 1,000%. There's not a... I can't say how much I agree with you enough. Write me a um, letter. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, what, the issue for the average golfer is that generally, the farther we try to hit the ball, the shorter it goes and the more crooked it goes because generally what we're trying to do is muscle it out there. They, they got all this tension going, stressing, stressing their muscles, and that's not where speed comes from. Mm-hmm. Speed comes from generally the small muscles that just work well, and the big muscles act as a good foundation for it. But that's, you know, unless you're, to your point, unless you're a tour player or, you know, uh, you get to practice a ton of golf as an amateur, it's just so hard to increase your speed without going through a real process. You know, I, I think that it, I would love to get Ryan Robillard on. Uh, I think he's like the Canadian rep for um, those swing sticks. I, thing. Have, I, like I, to lear- I have the, the swing sticks. Yeah, we've talked about that a little. Yeah. I'd love to learn more about that. But the problem is, if you if you if you're telling people they need to hit it farther and they're like a 19, 20 handicap that. They're just going to start hitting it shorter. No, you brought up the speed sticks. That's a great point. So there's a video that somebody in this chat that I was on shared. And and it, it proved my point. It was a high, high level pro who was using the speed sticks. And basically he said, I've got, he said, I'm going to take six weeks. And this guy already hit it a ton. So he said, I'm going to see what I can do to my club head speed in six weeks. And he's a good player. And they, you know, you sort of time lapse the, he was training every day. He did the speed stick, speed stick protocols every day. Anyway, the net of it is in six weeks of super hard training, two miles an hour club head speed, and he was at so he went from 110 to 112 his carry distance was another 10 yards so the net effect was a guy that tried really really hard only gained 2 miles an hour i'm not saying by the way that you shouldn't try hard to get longer i would say to you if you were thinking of it make it a really long term project oh yeah but if in the short term, the 2021, you know, golf season's about, you know, a few weeks away. In the short term, if your idea was to get from 15 to 11 or 16 to whatever, whatever it is, you'd be so much better off getting a putting lesson from somebody. Having, you know, our buddy Sean Casey, who's about to come on, have Casey, you know, give you a couple of really stock pitch shots that you can hit every time so that, and I know this sounds silly, so that when you're chipping, you hit the green with your next shot. Because a lot of guys listening sometimes don't. So much, yeah, exactly. What people are seeking in the game is generally far easier to get than they actually think. Yes, great point. It, it, and so invest some time in putting, chipping, just like you said. Spend some time warming up. 
you know, and take get take the governor off your body. Take the yeah. brakes off. You'll get that that swing speed is there if you can just kind of get out of your own way, get a little bit more supple. One of the things, my key takeaway from the f- the first um, I don't know three months of doing this show this year is the importance of of warming up your body. Yeah, just really. I don't have it in front of me, but I saw it this week as well on this, you know, chat that I was on. And somebody put up the average length that an adult male, you know, mid-handicapped guy hits the ball. And it's not, you know, it's 220-ish yards. And, it's and not I, a lot. It's not a lot. But here's the thing. If you could go from 220 to 260, if that were available for the average man or woman then great. The fact is, if you go from 220 to 230, that's not going to lower your handicap in any meaningful way, I don't think. But if you can go from being near a par four and two and getting making a double and being near a par four and two and getting a, a bogey at worst and sometimes a par, if that's your habit, you know, then your 15 becomes a 10 overnight really because two chipping yep and three putting and penalty strokes haney's a believer in this Fawcett's whole things about this that's more meaningful than being 230 off the tee no i i totally get what you're saying totally but i would like to take a deeper dive into the subject on this particular program because what i wonder about is faster swing speed how does that translate into say solid strike how does that translate into solid hit what what effect does that have on dispersion because often what players struggle with is they get in their higher irons is they lack the speed to swing them so that you know players are hitting you know even a five iron at you know my age <laughs> coming up to 64 <laughs> the longest iron i got's a five iron you know, I wonder sometimes if, if, if you know, next year it's going to be go to the hybrid. Don't know, because I don't have I don't have enough speed to swing it efficiently. So, I, you know, it'd be interesting to take a deeper dive. Into no, that's an interesting, you know, you make a good point. And because a lot of times when we think of speed, <clears throat> excuse me, we think of it off the tee. But what a, what a, a faster club head speed potentially would do is make your five iron and seven iron and nine iron go longer but what they do in this speed stick training it doesn't talk about smash factor it only talks about it only addresses club head speed and you know i'm not sure where casey is but maybe sean could talk a lot about or tell us more about how much does smash factor meaning the centerness of your hit how much does that inform your distance and dispersion because those are those are great questions to ask if i go if i get my club head speed from wherever it is to five miles an hour faster statistics tell me that's a an increase of 10 yards to to a yard two yards for every miles an hour every one mile an hour now that would be meaningful to me but not so much i I mean those kids that are hitting it like this guy that did the experiment, he was already carrying his driver 295 in the air. And so he's now carrying it 305. 
Yeah, wow. Which is great, yeah. but I'm not. That, that's not you and I, and it's never going to be. I will say this, and not to uh, you know, shameless plug of our sponsor, but I, I I'm going to tell you, having not taken very many full swings until I got into the uh, fitting at the uh, TaylorMade Performance Center, I was surprised at the clubhead speed I was getting from the new TaylorMade Sim. That's pure technology. Like, I know my numbers, and um, I know what I, you know, at my, you know, hey, mid- Sean, you coming on the show? Oh, okay. I'm just going to turn you down then. <laughs> so, you're, he's calling Sean. Um, but I was going to say, I know my numbers in the middle of the season, and I was getting mid-season numbers from this new driver. So the answer is, you know, if people are wondering, can I buy more distance? Well, yeah, the answer is, yeah, you can. If you're if what you're playing is a shitty old driver that's not fit for you, for sure you can. You know, I would say that and it's, you know, TaylorMade makes an amazing product. But if you're using five year old technology, you're missing out. There's some growth for you. I'm just talking about if if the reason to be the raison d'etre is to lower your handicap. If it were me and you wanted to get your handicap down to single digits, I would explore uh, those things we talked about versus trying to get, you know, physically more speed. Because the bottom line, and I'll finish by saying, is most people won't do it. They'll try it. And then, you know what, Tim? They'll find out it's hard. Yeah, it is hard. It's hard and it's a lot of work and sacrifice. And how much do you want to do? <laughs> you know what I mean? Absolutely. I got, I got, I got Game of Thrones to watch. <laughs> I can't be swinging. Well, I, thought that was, I thought that was over. I'm, I'm rewatching it now. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. The, you, the, you brought up a really key point. Um, and, and, and that is about basically time invested. Um, golfers, so many golfers don't understand that you have to put a lot of deposits in the bank to get out some really good return and it takes a long time i remember uh, paul dooland uh, who works with pga tour pros on their mental game was telling us um i think we were talking to him one spring and he said that the things that say a rory mcelroy or a dustin johnson were working on in the fall they were hoping that those things would start to come to fruition in the beginning of the year, like mm-hmm. a three or four month process. Yep. It wasn't um, um, it wasn't something that they make a discovery on the range and suddenly they're hitting it better. <laughs> That's right. Every once in a while that can happen. Sure. Um, but it's more things like ball position, alignment, posture. You know, it, it's not that you suddenly made uh, a change in your swing from Thursday to Friday. It, the, you're you right. Those things that. happen. But listen, look at what McElroy said last week. You know, the guy that we love, yeah. Swing Thoughts favorite, because he says the truth. And he was being interviewed after missing the cut at the players and said, I've been chasing speed because of uh, Bryson. And yep. it's screwed. You know, he wouldn't be the first guy. And you think Rory McIlroy was already hitting it one, two, three, thirty. What's he doing? But that's a great lesson for all of us. How intoxicating that is. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I again, that's what I love, and every many people love about Rory his his candor. Mm-hmm. You know, he just says, "Yep, this is what happened. I got hijacked by the distance thing." And but boy, what. So are you going to try and pivot 
elegantly not working and welcome sean casey to the show looking amazing look at that beard <laughs> unless, crap you know unless this you know what's uh, let's let me just acknowledge speaking of uh what is going on is as a homeless guy moved into the Casey Mansion, what is? <laughs> Either I haven't seen Casey in person in a long time. Look at you. I can see. Yeah, I didn't know the whole uh, thing switched to Zoom. I uh, missed that memo. So oh, did you? Uh, I was ready for my phone call. Oh, okay. Well, it looks like you got clothes on. Yeah, that's I do pretty have good. On. You're, you're, out of, you're out of your pajamas. Are you? Yeah. Uh, are you talking to us on your phone or on your computer? On the computer. That's fine. It's a little bit distorted. If there's any, if you could go, do you know how to do this on Zoom where you just turn down the input volume? That'd be great. Just a tiny bit. If not, we can live with it. Yeah, I can. I think I can work that. Okay. There you go. All right. Give me a sec here. Casey's a um, longtime friend of the show. Uh, I can't remember now. It's been so long we've been doing the show. Like, you know him, I know him, we worked with him, he's the best, all that stuff. That's how we met, for gosh sake. Is it how we met? Casey told you about me? Yeah, I was actually writing articles for Clublink Life magazine about coaches working with their students. And, oh, okay. and I would interview both of them. And so Case and I were talking about it. And he says, yeah, I'm working with uh, Humble Howard. And well, that's cool. He says, well, you know, so we did the, I talked to you and then... And then we ended up kind of going, like, well, hey, we're both a bunch of golf geeks. And yeah, and the short, short part of that story is we had such interesting conversation. We said, why don't we record these? That <laughs> That's thing right. The podcast. Well, I've been, a, I've been a big fan of Sean Casey, like a lot of people in uh, the GTA. He is one of the uh, premier uh, golf instructors because he's a smart guy. He's also a nice guy. And now he's uh, a daddy. How old is your he kid? Work, he, can work on, he can work on his deportment. No, bit. no, he looks one great. One of those golf words about how one dresses and looks. But, you know, we'll he's fine. It. <laughs> Casey, how's, uh, how old is your baby now? He's, um, he's almost two. Wow. Yeah, no, it, was, it was a little bit of a grind getting ready for this show. I was just shoveling the cereal in his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I remember. Well, one bite after the next, just trying to get through the bowl so I'd be ready. <laughs> I remember coming to your place before your boy was born, and you had, this is when the dog was a puppy, and the puppy was running all over the place, and you and Kate were just getting, like, the fur baby, you know, you getting used to having something you're responsible for isn't it interesting as soon as you have the kid just how little you know, shits you give about the dog oh yeah <clears throat> Addie's just chilling right on the other side of the yeah. computer here but when yeah. i was over that day you were like chasing the dog around the dog was yeah. the, the center of attention then you have a baby the dog's like what about me yeah yeah big time <laughs> and now i i don't think you guys know maybe you don't yeah we're having a baby girl in another maybe seven weeks so amazing that's yeah. fantastic number two so let's talk yeah. sean uh, you're setting up shop you i didn't come to see you this winter i really didn't do any golf swinging this winter just working on my fitness and rehabbing all the various injuries but this summer you're setting up a new casey situation at rattlesnake is that where we're going to find you most of the time yeah yeah i'll be at rattle uh most of the time teaching um I'll be up at Hidden Lake a little bit. I was at Hidden Lake last year. It worked out well. I'll be taking my kids that I uh, that I teach and my, my boys program out to Hidden Lake to play. So we'll do a lot of the on course there. A little harder to uh, get tee times at Rattlesnake. 
so yeah i'll probably do all my private lessons at rattle and do the uh on course at uh at hidden lake but also this this winter you also opened um is it called the at burl oak i'll let you tell us what the official name is and everything but uh Boy, I was so excited. I went in the facility with you earlier this year. You gave me a tour. I think it was back in the fall. Looked amazing. How was that gone? I know you had the COVID lockdown and everything, but how's that gone? It's been really, it's been awesome. It was, uh, you know, disappointing when we found out we wouldn't be able to do the indoor academy at Glen Abbey. Um, just because we've been there for 20 years, we, we knew the setup and it was just sort of like a little bit scary. Well, where are we going to teach this winter? So, um, but we understood the decision. They didn't want to do anything indoors sort of anywhere. It wasn't just, just us at Glen Abbey. They were sort of walking out. And, um, yeah, so it just uh, became a little bit of survival. So as a teaching pro, you, you need a, a net to hit into and maybe some technology. And so we just uh, just started getting to work, find a place. And, yeah, it worked out well. So, I mean, not, not to go too deep into it, but it's been successful and it was maybe going to just be this winter and now it looks like it's going to be more winters to come so it looks like it's going to excellent keep going which is exciting case before you came on we were talking a little bit about um the search for distance people talking about bryson dechambeau and as you heard you know rory admitted that bryson's increase in you know distances etc affected him and, and a lot of players on the tour but for the amateurs listening we were talking about how lowering handicap for a, an amateur is more attainable through other methods than you know you know trying to get your club head speed from 90 to 92 you know and if you're if what would you if a 15 handicap came to you and said oh i want to hit it further i'm you know, I want to, like, what would you say to them in terms of a game improvement path? Yeah, you, you're going to determine that very quickly. Like, when you when you look at somebody, you can easily spot the uh, any deficiencies or opportunities for distance gains. And you're right, in a lot of cases, there there's not much there. Like, it's let's be honest, most people are probably swinging it about as fast as they can with, without falling over or missing the ball. Like, we're all trying to... We're all trying to move that ball. So it's very rare that somebody comes in and you're just going to jump them up a bunch of miles per hour. So you're looking for the low-hanging fruit of like, well, their path is eight to the left. Okay, well, we straighten that out and square the face. Boom, we get a little higher ball speed. Club head speed's the same. Ball speed, just jump. You know, get the shaft leaning forward. Well, we all know that's not easy to change. You're a flipper. I'm not saying you can't get rid of being a flipper, but it's a bit of a lifelong battle. <laughs> Uh, to, yeah. to get that shaft forward, but you can try and you just try to get the ball speed up. But yeah, you're right. I mean, it's very rare that you're going to see massive club head speed gains. You know, you look at Rory, just to go for an example. I mean, he's so efficient at generating speed. You look at Rory McIlroy, you say, wow, I can't believe that kid that's five, nine or whatever he is carries it three twenty in the air. I mean, what's he thinking? Like, it, how are you going to get much more <laughs> out, out of that? Yeah, exactly. You know? But, but anyways, most of the people that come into us, it's the same thing. It's uh, it is difficult to get speed, clubhead speed gains. So we're looking more for the, the improvement in the the efficiency of the strike. Usually, that's that's the easier, easier road to some more distance for for an instructor. 
Well, it's it's kind of like the old adage: if you want to hit it farther, hit it more solid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You get a solid strike, you hit it farther. Yeah. Well, but thanks for that, Tim, because I'd forgotten. I wanted to ask Sean when it comes to things like TrackMan, how much more important is Smash Factor being more efficient, or is it more important than miles per hour? Yeah, I I, I would say yes. I'd say if your Smash Factor is uh, is not consistent uh your average smash factor that's where you want to go i mean it's why not try to work on hitting it better and more so get more out of your current self let's say (laughs) let's get more out of your current uh, current speed whatever it is 90 or like you just said uh before we start trying to swing faster you already are inefficient at 90 you miss hit a lot of shots Mm -hmm. your distance is all over the place it's hard to predict how far the next one's going to carry. <laughs> let's let's just try to get something repeatable with your current speed before we start trying to swing faster. That, that sounds pretty logical to me. A lot of people are going to know Smash Factor is, and a lot of people don't. Can you give us kind of like the easy swing thoughts, <laughs> understandable version of what yeah, Smash it's Factor just, is? It's just club head speed times Smash Factor equals ball speed. So your ball speed's 150. Your club head speed's a hundred. Smash factor is one point five. It, it's the it's the times that gets you to your ball yeah, speed. So I, the driver one point five, as we know, is is a pretty pure strike with a driver. You can right. That's ten out of ten. Yeah. But what yeah. I think Tim is asking, and if I, I in layman's terms, smash factor talks about the centeredness of the hit. The center. It's it's, it's more about how consistently you're hitting it toward that the center be, than off center. Yeah, that would be probably one of the biggest factors in determining your smash factor. Well, the thing still, if you got a fast speed, if you got a fast swing or you're not hitting the center of it, your smash factor will be down. Yeah. So it's a smash factor, but it's also then the angle of attack, right. and the path and the face. So the just how that face comes in. I mean, think of it this way, you're you're trying to hit the ball with like the front of a Mack truck. You're, you want it flat, and you you want it almost kind of as de-lofted as you can. You just want that that face-on, de-lofted square as much as you can. Okay, maybe it's fairer to say Smash Factor speaks to the stability of the club head through the ball. But to your point, most people... They're, they don't have it. They're not, they shouldn't worry about speed until they're hitting somewhere near the center of the ball. Also, what I was saying before you came on, Case, is that if you were going to look to do something with an instructor, as I said, maybe have Sean take you out and show you an effective way of pitching so that when you're near a green, chances are you'll get your next shot on the green. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. If you can have a better short game then you hit those approach shots maybe with just a little less stress right because you're like hey I, i'll probably get up and down anyway when, when that's your attitude i think you can make a little bit more of a free swing into the green mm-hmm. but when it's the fear of well, if i miss it's an automatic bogey or double it's i think that does affect your actual ball striking so all right. Well, ball striking. Maybe i'll use that as as the segue um so we've watched cory connor's uh, have a great spring, I guess. Um, third at the Arnold Palmer, seventh at the Players. Uh, Case, I remember you and I talking about uh, Corey Connors had a sort of a process uh, for monitoring his, say, uh, state 
you know, how excited he was, where his thoughts mm-hmm. were. And I just thought, um, you know, just it'd be interesting to have you on the program to talk about, you know, what you see in court what you know about him. I don't even know if you had got what kind of a history you've got with him, but what are you seeing in his game now? And then maybe a little bit later we can get into kind of like the whys he's doing so well. Yeah, I, I did have uh, good fortune of spending some time with Corey when he was uh, in college, I guess, mostly. And then as, as a young pro, um, I, got, I had a chance. The PGA flew me down to Sea Island. It was the Jones Cup. A uh, few years back, just probably a year before he turned pro, and he was maybe ninth in the world as an am at that point. All the best amateurs in the world are at this event, and a lot of points up for grab. And the PGA flew me down to spend a day with Derek Ingram, head coach of, P- of uh, Team Canada. And Derek had Garrett Rank there, and Adam Spenson, and Corey Connors, and so on, all the top guys. Wow. And. I just had a chance to spend the day sort of walking around with them on the range before in the locker room after doing the post round interviews and just seeing what goes on. And, uh, so it was a great experience, but, uh, with Corey, it was after the round, we were in the locker room. They were taking turns, coming to a table, sitting with Derek and talking about the round, trying to extract the learnings. And so, uh, Corey gets out his yardage book and then he slides out a, uh, a recipe card. That was that was slid into the book and it just had an x and a y axis and on one of the axes was adrenaline you know high and low sort of uh, we'll say zero to ten and then on the other axis was emotion positive and negative zero to ten and he had a star at what would be approximately a four on both for him this is where not to be tangential here but this is where your star might not be a four on each. You got to figure out what your ideal performance state is. And maybe you play better at golf and perform better at whatever you do. If you're a, a six out of 10, but anyway, he had it out of four, made a little star there and he did 18 check-ins. So on the way to the first tee, it was on the way to every tee box uh-huh. on the way to the first tee, he pops it out and just puts in how he's feeling on a, on those two. And I remember that one. Cause it was, it was just not, near the other ones you know the nerves just about to start your tournament jones cup big event hey if i win this i go to number one in the world there's a lot of points up for grab yada yada but the first t check-in wasn't sort of hanging around all the other ones but (laughs) there was maybe two or three guys that day one and then another hole where i think he three putted or just felt like he messed up and he was walking the next t and the check-in just wasn't quite as tight and then maybe the last hole, he was still in contention. And but but there was the others were all really close. So you can imagine like four, five, six, and they're all like hugging the star. In other words, he's like he's he's in a good place. But then like there was one that was just a little kind of further out away from the star. And Derek said, So tell me what, what was going on there at like num- number eight. And he said, No, nothing. He said, I just couldn't get any more digits right closer to the star so i had <laughs> going out so you know i would say 15 to 18 as he's walking up to the tee box he's kind of optimal he's he's right where he wants to be and i got a figure on the ones that he wasn't he has strategies to reel it in a little bit and that's probably exactly. what i think is the key to the whole thing he's checking in and if he checks in then he can go hey i'm i'm, I'm a little too amped up here 
maybe he has some calming techniques to bring himself back down. But, you know, I just think it's, if you're going to change anything in your life, if you're going to, you have to be aware mm-hmm. and you want to, you want to be a better mental golfer and manage your state and kind of be more consistent, not be all high and low. It makes sense to me that you ought to check in. Well, there's an old saying, awareness is curative. And in this particular example you give, you know, obviously there's a lot of work that went into creating the system, et cetera. But one of the things I think that was important that you say as a takeaway for golfers is the checking in and being able to assess in a round where you're at. What I also loved about what you said is it just goes to show you swing thought nerds listening. You know, when you watch Corey Connors on TV, of course they're doing things you can't and don't do. You know what I mean? Like to me, I wanted to say, just enjoy yourself because, you know, if, if that guy is going through that kind of process to get better, most of us aren't going to do that. Like, I think in a way it's almost like it relieves you from being too hard on yourself because there's no guy listening who's playing Saturday morning going, hang on a second. I'm just checking in on my X, Y axis. <laughs> you know, <laughs> no one's doing that. I'm not, saying you, I'm not saying you shouldn't. I'm just saying, you know, to give ourselves a bit of a break because, you know, most people, I mean, I would, but most people, most people wouldn't. Yeah, but maybe some of your listeners would, right? Because your, your whole your whole crew and all the crew listen to you guys are a bunch of golf geeks, right? Oh, no, so, for sure. But I guess I'm not saying, no, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying you shouldn't do that. I'm just saying that's what goes into a professional golfer's life. That, that's your point. Yeah. So that's takes- my point. It takes it, if you, anything you want to do at a high level comes from a high level of awareness. Engagement, yes. Yeah, and so you want to be great at guitar? Well, you better have a high level of awareness around playing guitar or being a CFO or something like that. They take it to the extra level. But what I really like what you're talking about, Case, was the checking in thing. See, like we were talking in an earlier segment that getting better at this game is in fact usually, it's actually easier than most people think it's because generally they think oh i have to do this i have to you know this program i got to go on if you do something as simple as walking to the tee and check in with yourself mm-hmm. and say what's going on with me right now what am i feeling in my body what am i paying attention to then you can go oh i'm still fixated on the three putt i just had or i'm holding the club so tight i got white knuckles going mm-hmm. so when you're aware then you can respond that is just that's that's a key piece of that awareness is curative just like uh, humble said i think that it becomes habitual Mm -hmm. fortunately you know i think everything that we're talking about and everything we could talk about is that you want to get to where you've done enough check-ins and this becomes part of your process to where it's just natural and you don't need the piece of paper you know if i said uh you know i have some of my juniors maybe have a drink of water on, on every tea and for a little while that's like you know, has to maybe be in their, in their little thing that they open where they track their stats. And then there's like a little water box. So it's a reminder, but you know, eventually you don't have to see water with a checkbox to remember becomes part of your routine. Right. And this, this could as well. I'm not uh, saying that I'm some mental guru, but I would tell you that I am checking in way more than 18 times a day. Like it's almost a constant Mm -hmm. uh, never ending monitoring of my state. And, and doing what I need to do to, to bring it back all the time. 18 times would be great if I'm someone who doesn't do that. 
but I'm doing it a heck of a lot more than 18 times around. I'm always managing my state. No, so I know. Um, so. And again, I don't want to take anything away from what you're saying. I guess my point, and I made it ha- you know, awkwardly, was that it just goes to show you, you know, if you're an amateur golfer, you know, sometimes equanimity is in, in where you are, state, where whatever state you're in, sometimes you should just be happy with it because you want to get better. But, you know, sometimes you just kind of want to be happy with where you are. I think a lot of our golfers, you know, Tim talks about this. We, we've we've talked about the craving mind. You know, we're always craving and, and, and desiring. And sometimes in golf, you know, you know, there's a there's a point where you can kind of enjoy where you're at, because when it comes to speed, you're not going to quit your job and, you know, invest in the speed stick company. And when it comes to state management, you know, maybe check in with how you're feeling, but know that, you know, those guys on TV are doing they're doing a whole bunch of things that you're not going to do. Mm-hmm. And I think your, your point, that's important. They're not always going to be able to change that state. I think there's like you said, it's accepting where where you are right like there if they're high adrenaline uh they're probably not going to be able to just reel that in quick so they're they're gonna they're gonna take a little less club right but that awareness had just helped them pump a seven iron onto the green from 210 because they no. they knew their adrenaline was high and and they took the appropriate club to just work with the current state so, so case what uh one of the things i wanted to inquire with you about because i'm sure a lot of our listeners go you know oh, maybe I should go see the Sean Casey guy because I'm a chronic slicer or I got this problem in my golf swing. So people will go and have a lesson and and you might give them something technical to work on. And I think that what happens for so many golfers, me included, is, is that I would get this technical thing and I would think, okay, now that I have this knowledge, I'm going to take it to the course, I'm going to implement <laughs> it, and today's the day. You know, whatever. So what do you advise golfers in terms of you give them a lesson, you might give them something to work on, but what do you say to them about trying to take that to the course or perhaps not take it to the course? Yeah, you know, I, I always think about, you know, I think about you, Tim, because I know and, and I, I think that your desires and you talk a lot about being external. I say desire, but I think you, it's a, it's almost a a great place. If you can play golf and be external and have a round where like what you see is where the ball goes. I hear a butt coming. It's I'm ready for it. Those are the best, the the best. And I would love as well, more of those, those experiences for, for myself and my students. And, and yeah, the butt is trying to find that balance of, okay, that's just not quite working today. So what can I think about that's internal or a feel that might keep the wheels on today and make today's what seems like it's going to be an 85? Maybe I can keep it in the 70s today uh, with the right appropriate swing feel, swing thought, uh, you know, today. I'd love to be external. I, I wish I could be external and in the zone, but you know what? It's just not happening today. Something's off. Can I identify what's off? and get a little more out of myself with a swing thought or a feel today. So I think it's a balance for sure. But there again, it's self-awareness and being able to maybe patchwork today's round into something better with the right feel and identify what, what it is that's off technically. And then I'm not searching for swing thoughts all day. It's uh, being able to, to identify it early in the round and I'll probably have to think about it all day and then get to the range after and wrap it out so it's a little less conscious, hopefully the next time. I don't think in five years we, we've, 
put forward the idea that you shouldn't be working on or you shouldn't have some idea of swing mechanics. I think what we're hoping for is that when you're on the golf course, that you've got a couple of things that are sort of in the background, but that you're more aware, et cetera, et cetera. Before we let you go, um, Case, I would ask you this question. If somebody's been working on their golf game all winter, you know, it's we're come as at the beginning of the show, Timmy was telling me that there's some people that are already going to be able to play golf in this, you know, weekend or next couple of weeks. What about this statement? You work on your golf game in the winter. And I had a teacher say this to me recently. If you haven't figured it out by March or, you know, early April, that's your swing. That's what's going to that's what you're going to be doing in the season. What do you think about that? Yeah, like with with all my students right now, I'm, I'm I hope that we're at a place where we're swinging with a little bit of speed, and the new swing, the new positions, if you will, the new the new plane or whatever, is holding up with some speed. At this point right now, if all they can do is do it slow and uh, consciously competent, thinking about it, but as soon as we add in some speed and get less conscious, it falls apart. It's it's not looking good. Like that's in a net. That the environment mm-hmm. is like yeah. there's there's no one watching. We're hitting into a net. If they can't hit into a net right now, and do it with a little bit of speed, the new way, yeah, it's not looking good for this season. That the changes are going to be. But I'm talking about the, the average player, not someone that's working with you as a, as an elite player. But for an average player listening. Because I didn't agree with what the guy was. I agree with what he's saying for guys like me and, and tournament players and whatever. But if you're just an, a guy that wants to enjoy the game of golf, why not go and take lessons during the summer? That's when it's summer. You know what I mean? Like, why not continue to learn the game oh, yeah. while the season's underway? Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, There's so many little things you can do with average golfers in the summer. Uh, a lot of the time it's, they have no idea that their ball position's like way back yeah, or their alignment's way off. Sometimes it's just one swing feel and you're not changing the whole swing. You're just telling them, Hey, you, you got to load up behind the ball a little better. And it's like that, that's an attainable maybe thing they could change in the middle of the season. Okay. I could load up behind the ball a little better. You know, there's, there's lots of little things you can do without overhauling a golf swing that can really take their game to, to another level where, yeah, in the winter, we're just digging in a lot deeper usually to the, 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 the cause and effect and really digging in and but in the summer you you, you do a little bit more called quick fix or mm-hmm. try to try to get a little more out of them with with just a little bit more of a simple approach knowing that hey they're gonna go play tomorrow and hopefully hit it better so well listen man thanks for catching up with us and i it's been too long and i i know we spoke at the uh sort of beginning of winter but hey life gets in the way um good luck with the new baby i'm gonna follow up and uh maybe we'll have a quick chat you and i before uh the birth you know just in case i need to walk you through some of that stuff you know (laughs) yeah i don't have any experience with uh with daughters so oh no they're the worst the absolute (laughs) worst um sean casey how do people get a hold of you where do do you want people to find you uh seancaseygolf.com all right um find me there Guys, it's been great, great seeing you. Great and, seeing uh, you there, kid. We'll uh, see you in person this this summer sometime. I promise you, we're going to be uh, hanging out at the back of the range there at Rattle. I promise. Look forward I to just, it. I got one question to, to finish finish this up. Yes. Uh, the 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 beardly look is, is that going is that going beginning of April or is this the new look? Well, it's it's I think it started last winter. Um, first time I did it, and now a lot of people don't even know it's under there because you got the mask, right? So it's kind of, I still look professional as long as I uh, mm-hmm. 
get the, the line, line there. there and I get that line just below the edge of the mask. It's it's all good. Now you look so, great, yeah, man. We'll, we'll see. But this no, is the inside. See, this is the inside professional golf stuff you don't get on other podcasts. <laughs> but it'll probably be off uh, when we get out the rattle. Yeah, it's more of a winter thing. No, listen, dude, you're you're all doing right. well. All our best to Caden. Uh, good luck in the next seven weeks. Second one's way easier. I'm telling you, honestly, you will not. Be- they are because the first one, you're like, oh, what could happen? Oh, oh my, my goodness. The second one, here's the joke no I used problem. to do. I said, the first one, you're like, you know, you don't let them touch anything. The second one, you're like, honey, can you just bring daddy's scissors over here? Just bring that. <laughs> just bring the blowtorch and the scissors. Run. Just run over here with those. Yeah, get the blowtorch, the scissors, and the hand grenade. Just bring those over. Um, all right, Johnny, take care, man. <laughs> All right, thanks. See you guys. Just let yourself out of the meeting, man. Yeah. Bye. So uh, I thought we'd finish. I've only got uh, like, you know, a few more minutes left in this recording. I wanted to tell you something and share it with our Swing Thoughts uh, constituents. I'm listening. I was vaccinated on Monday. Wow. Yeah, man. Vaccination. Got to keep it vaccinated. Bow, bow, bow. Yeah, AstraZeneca? AstraZeneca Oxford. You know, the clot vaccine. That's the one yeah, I got. You, you look like you're okay. You're not like falling over and slurring. <laughs> That's and what stuff. I said to Fred. I said, you know, I'm really lucky. I'm happy I got to do this because of this pilot project in Toronto. But did it have to be the vaccine that, oh, oh occasionally people get blood clots and die? Yeah, but, no, wait a second. It's, it's, so there's been like, it, I think it's upwards of 20 million, give or take a few million. No, I know. And it's like point zero 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 people had some kind of adverse effect. Yeah, I had no uh, worries about it. And in fact, I you know all those studies. And in fact, I had it on Monday about halfway through the week. The uh, government came out and said, "All they they've now determined that those are all safe." Anyway, I wasn't worried about it, but it feels it feels uh, sort of interesting, you know. Like it was literally one week. One year to the day that we stopped broadcasting with everyone in our studio a year ago, and it was a, a year later that I got the vaccine. Right on the number? Right on the number. And um, you know wow. what? It was uh, it was great, easy, pharmacy, you know, had to wait for 15 minutes to see if I, you know, passed out. My, uh, sh- you know, I don't know if you remember this from being, my shoulder's been sort of like sore, yep. like where the injection was. Tuesday, I felt a little bit off not fluish but just a bit run down but mm-hmm. other than that no side effects it just seems i only share it so that people can go well at least i know somebody that's got vaccinated and vaccinations are going to start for your age group and fred's age group and i uh i would imagine your age group somewhere i'd say before summer like end of june july june Six maybe days from now i'm I'm what? I'm in the book six day next next Thursday. What? I get so the jab. You, how did you? Uh, so what? what you just because they they opened it up and said Tim, you're now eligible. Well, I'm in the sixty to sixty four age group, and um, no, my doctor sent me an email from their health group. Nice, saying that it was ready, and and they said it was a call or an email. Sent an email, and about six hours later, or on the twenty fifth at. 6 40 p.m and way to go well then i I was wrong yeah because here's what happened they got a million and a half doses this week i think and that's why they've opened it up to that age group so most people listening will i so okay your exception most people listening i think will have a vaccine by the end of uh by the end of the spring like june mid-june late june something like that anyway 
want to ask you, um, what did you kind of feel like, at, like never mind physically, uh, what did you feel after getting the jab, as they call it? Like, did you feel any, I don't know, lighter, feel good, or I don't know? I, you know, I felt lucky. I felt, you know, to be honest, I felt really lucky that I had somehow gotten in in this not technicality, but they had all these doses that were going to go bad, etc. Everyone knows the story. They had 198,000 doses, and this pilot project was to get people in in our age group. I, I felt really lucky. I left there on Monday. I was like, this is pretty cool. Um, I didn't feel impervious. I still, you know, expect to wear a mask and social distance for some time to come. I think I was relieved that a whole year has gone by, and I didn't get sick. My friends didn't get sick. No one in my family did. And and now, you know, my chances of getting really sick and, and dying from this now are mitigated. So that's kind of how I felt. Great. Great. Yeah. I, I, I think it'll be the same. I mean, I'll get the jab and it'll feel good. And then it'll be like, okay, have to remain prudent. Mm-hmm. You know, it won't be having uh, big house parties. Or it won't be going to a bar to hang out. Then again, I'm a, of that that creeping <laughs> That's up right. in age. Yeah, you so know, I, I don't do that. You know, because because going to a bar, it would be like staying up past nine o'clock. Yeah, unless you want to go to the bar at three in the afternoon. <laughs> yeah, this whole lockdown COVID year for us at our age group, like it, you know, didn't. I shouldn't say it didn't affect me because I didn't get to see my daughters as much, but it didn't affect me socially because it's like I don't want to go to people's houses anyway. This is a great well, excuse. <laughs> well, it wasn't a big deal to yeah. me either. I've been working from home for, well, about 30 years. Yeah. <laughs> so I just stay home a little bit more. <laughs> you know, I already had a studio in my house. Nothing was different. I just didn't have to make excuses not to want to hang out with other people. It was great. Yeah. Just every once in a while you go like, hmm. I was thinking today, what you know, what are industries you don't want to be in? Airlines. How yeah. about belt manufacturing? I got to think that belt consumption has gone way down oh yeah people are just walking around their sweats all day <laughs> exactly. um although you know in the states they're for the sixth or seventh day in a row airlines reported just millions of people getting on planes uh thanks to uh brooke benny wow. uh brooke benny great kid and uh sean casey always great catching up with him o'connor you can get a hold of tim at o'connorgolf.ca and the Humble and Fred Show continues to exist on the internet only now. Download the program for uh, fun and prizes at humbleandfredradio.com. We'll see you next time. In the dark, it's raining in the park, but meantime.